values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, it's just been announced that Dead & Company will be heading to the auction pavilion May 23rd for their last tour. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you possibly could win a pair by going to the contest page at KTAR.com. I want to talk about the economy. As the president said, he believes we are positioned very strongly. I want you to hear about this. Should we prepare for a recession? He was asked, and his answer is no, kind of. No. Look, they've been saying this now how every every six months they say this. Every six months they look down the next six months and see what's going to happen. It hadn't happened yet. It hadn't. There, there has. There is no. There's no guarantee that they're going to be. I don't think there will be a recession. If it is, it'll be a very slight recession. That is, we'll move down slightly. So let's look at uh, the price of things going up. This is uh, ABC and talking about gasoline prices. You may have to do a double take when you fill up. Gas prices have jumped an average of 13 cents nationwide to $3.91 a gallon. The Energy Department says the lowest prices can be found along the Gulf Coast at three twenty-nine a gallon, the highest $5.67 in California. The increase reflects OPEC's recent decision to cut production by 2 million barrels a day. Yeah, so we are watching prices go up, up, and up. So the President of the United States believes that we're not in a recession right now. That word to me is just very political. The American people are hurting. Not all American people, but many more than were a couple of years ago. The people are finding themselves with food insecurity. People cannot put gasoline in their cars. They're, they're running up their credit cards for necessities. And, the, you know, the as we talked with Kristen Bench yesterday, um, the retail world is responding with big sales and layaway online and things of that nature. But there's something that is also changing as the Labor Department is talking about gig workers. If you don't know what that is, I want you to hear another report. This is ABC talking about the Labor Department and gig workers and how this change could be very expensive for small businesses well, and large businesses as well. In this gig economy, there are more classifications of workers than ever before. Consultants, contractors, contributors, casuals, freelancers, and of course, employees, full and part-time. So which one are you? And are you sure about it? The Labor Department says many companies are getting it wrong that thousands of workers who are classified as, say, contractors really should be employees based on things like the number of hours they work. That would put them in line for benefits like pay raises and health care. So the Labor Department wants to reclassify people as, as not as gig workers or contract workers, but as employees, which would entitle them to a lot of different things, which is going to drive up the costs for businesses, which is going to drive up the cost of everything they do for you. So I want to pair this with something else for a moment. We now know that there are going to be 87,000 new IRS workers out there. Now, they tried to sell this to us by saying that they're only going to go after wealthy people that are cheating on their taxes. We all know that that's, I think we should all know that this that is not true. Uh, there was a training video that was leaked, an IRS training video where they were training new IRS enforcement officers, armed, first of all, the IRS is arming its officers, and they were training them. And in the training exercise, they were taking down a contractor that did landscaping. 
That's not a $400,000 a year employee. That's not a very wealthy person. It's somebody that they believe was cheating on their taxes and how you would take them into custody, how to identify yourself as an IRS agent and how to affect an arrest on this person. That's what the training video showed. So you couple these together and you see exactly what this administration is doing. And if you think that they're going after what they, in their mind, they're going after the businesses that should be giving people benefits. Well, if you talk to independent truckers, there are many people out there that want to work for themselves. Men and women, they go out, they buy an 18-wheeler of their own, and they become an independent contractor. And they make a nice living doing it. They're going to be run out of business if this happens. California passing this law is going to see a trucker shortage out of the port of L.A. because a lot of these independent truckers are going to be run out of business. Because of this policy, the Labor Department now wants to redefine who a lot of these people are nationally, which is going to drive up the cost for businesses at a time when we know a recession is right around the corner. So when I talk about policy, 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 I don't agree with this administration. I don't make any bones, nor do I make any apology for it. I make no apologies for disagreeing with their policy, and I can explain to you whether you agree with me or not. I can explain to you why I disagree with the policies because it's making a bad situation worse, whether it's the policies in the oil and gas industry and leases and everything else that's driving up the price of fuel. The reason why we aren't refining enough diesel fuel to keep up with the demand in this country, why diesel fuel prices have remained very high even when gasoline prices were dropping. When you look at those policies, now these business policies here, the possibility of 87 thousand more IRS agents going after these gig workers. If you're working in ride share, you're working in a cash business, if you have an online business, they're going to come after you as well. This is not going to be just the ultra wealthy. And I will tell you, for my point of view and what I think would be a successful country, this is going to be good for my point of view, because I think the average American that doesn't ever have trouble with the IRS or any of these things before, when you start being under the microscope, when they start coming after the gig workers and they come after these cash workers, when they start enforcing that, the collective of the IRS is going to change. The collective opinion about the IRS is going to change. There's no doubt about that because we all believe you should pay your fair share in this country, but nobody wants to get that letter from the Internal Revenue Service. I've gotten letters from them before, and nine times out of ten, it's nothing bad. It's an update on something or it's something else, and you open it up, but you don't want to open it. It's like it's like getting information you know, about a medical test or something. You are just terrified to open that envelope, um, and nobody wants to have to get those letters. Nobody wants to be audited. Nobody wants to be under the microscope like this, and it's coming. On two fronts, if you're a gig worker, they're gonna, you're gonna lose, some of you are gonna lose your jobs because they are gonna let go of people. The advantage to being able to do it the way they're doing it with you is that they can afford you. It's just, uh, this whole policy, I think, is a mess. And it's something that needs to change pretty quickly. What we're going to do in a moment is uh, we're going to talk about the debate that won't be a debate. There is going to be a viewing party and a one-hour interview with Carrie Lake because Katie Hobbs is not going. Is this a mistake? We're going to talk elections because today is the first day of early voting, and we're going to do that coming up here in just one moment. 
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast yet, you can do it right now on your iPhone or Android. It doesn't matter which device you have. Never miss a minute of the show. And the Mike Broomhead Show podcast this week, brought to you by my friend Carol Royce. Carol Royce, Carol Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home and guaranteed offers by going to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Uh, so interesting how things are written um, about this. Uh, Katie Hobbs, and, and I, I want to be fair, and, and I try to be as fair as I can. I've had two really good discussions with the Secretary of State, um, both of them for a television interview for shows that we are doing called Before You Vote. And we have been very successful, and I say we, I have a great team of people over at AZTV, Channel 7, that have been working diligently to get all of the candidates. First in the gubernatorial race on both sides of the aisle, we were able to get all of the candidates in for interviews for that series called Before You Vote in the Primary. And then it was so well received that we did it again in the general with all of the statewide races and some of the big issues. Uh, they airs at Sundays on 4.30, at 4.30. And um, the only candidate that had not responded and not come on the air with us at all is Senator Mark Kelly. Uh, didn't respond to TV, won't respond on interviews here on the radio station. And uh, Miss Hobbs has been on the TV show. Uh, last time she was in the TV studio with me, we asked her if she would come on the radio show. She assured me she would. She gave me a direct contact for the press person that was with her that day. We have emailed that person a number of times and have not gotten, as far as I know, we've not gotten a response uh, from them at all. So I, I just think this is strategic. But it's interesting how the narrative from the Secretary of State is that she doesn't want to debate Carrie Lake because she doesn't want to take part in what is going to be a freak show. Not in her words. That's my synopsis of what she is saying. She doesn't want to be a part of what it's going to be. Um, She has said that uh, debating a conspiracy theorist like Carrie Lake, whose entire campaign platform is to cause enormous chaos and make Arizona the subject of national ridicule, would only lead to constant interruptions, pointless distraction, and childish name-calling. Well, um, what I find odd about that is that there isn't a bigger outcry from the media here in town because the Secretary of State also refused to debate in the primary. Now, it worked out to be successful for her. She won the primary. Maybe she believes strategically it's better for her not to debate. The impression people get, though, is that she is afraid to debate Carrie Lake. Now, I don't know that to be true. I don't know if she thinks she's going to get stomped in the debate, but that's the impression that people are getting. I think it is a huge mistake that she's not doing it. So what's going to happen now is instead of it being a debate from the Clean Elections Commission, it will be a one-hour interview with Carrie Lake hosted by Ted Simons. And if you've watched the debates when Ted does these these uh, these interviews or do, does these debates, he does a fair job. He pushes back when he needs further clarification from people on answers. So it is not a it's not it's not an easy uh, softball time for either candidate that's been on. Um, but I think he's fair and he lets people talk and he does a pretty good job. It was very hard to control that Republican primary debate. There's no doubt about that. But 
to say that it was going to happen the same way with Carrie Lake in this debate, I think is an unfair characterization. And I think that the people that do talk with the Secretary of State should push her on it much further. Every time that we talk with Carrie Lake, every time I've talked with her, uh, when I've talked with Blake Masters, everybody wants to know about their stance on abortion because it's such a big issue. Do, where do you stand? And I, I got into it with uh, with Carrie Lake here on this show the most recent time she was on. I just did it this morning with Blake Masters again. I asked the same questions that everybody wants answers to. It's time to push back. It's time to ask Katie Hobbs for clarification. She was asked on national television about her stance and, and whether or not, and her basic answer was government shouldn't be involved at all. It should be between a doctor and a, and a patient and a mother. Um, but also her refusal to debate. Debates are still, so the narrative now changes to they're not viable, they're not useful, nobody wants them anymore, nobody pays attention, It's and so you start to downplay them. And I think that is absolutely false, and if the tables were turned, to be fair, the very same people that seem to want to ignore this issue, if the tables were turned, it was Carrie Lake that was refusing to debate – they would be going after Kerry Lake saying the people have a right to know where you stand on the issues. People have a right to hear you not only say what you believe, but defend what you believe. And uh, a debate has gone, has always been useful to me. I've watched the debates for a long time, and I think this is no different. But if you want to watch this, um, it, it's going to happen tonight at 5 p.m. on PBS. And uh, I, I, I just think that we are – we are not being served adequately when one of the candidates for the highest office in the state of Arizona refuses to sit down, face her opponent, and say, this is where I disagree with you. This is why I disagree with you. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to accomplish that. And I, I do think it, it shows weakness. You may not agree it's weakness because you're already in the tank, but you go talk to independent voters. They want to see these debates and to show you if you want to believe the numbers that are out there. Look at the jump for Mark Victor, the um, libertarian candidate for Senate, for being on the debate stage. Nobody knew who he was, and I mean that is no disrespect, but he didn't have any traction whatsoever before the debate outside of the libertarian community and people heard what he had to say and some people seemed to like what he had to say. So the idea that there's going to be a, a, a debate forum that's available and one of the candidates refuses to show up and is able to get away with it that saying that I won't do it because of the, my opponent, you know that's a weak answer. Members of the media in this town know that that is a weak answer. I mean that re with respect to Katie Hobbs. I've had many conversations with her, um, and I don't know why they're not having them anymore. It shows a sign of weakness not to do these debates. They don't owe me anything. Mark Kelly doesn't have to come on my show. Neither does Katie Hobbs. They don't have to come on this show. But there's a diverse, big audience that listens to KTAR News. And the, they, they talk to our news department. I'll give them credit for that. They have gone on with uh, Gatos and Chad in the afternoon. So they have come on the station. Choosing to not come on my show, they are entitled to do that. But I think it shows weakness. I'm fair with people. I don't yell and scream. I don't call names. I don't ask gotcha questions, and I would be fair with them. So coming on here is a choice, but how do you choose not to debate an opponent? Even Mark Kelly debated Blake Masters. It, it does not seem like a wise decision, and I think at the, in the end, if she does not win this election, that is going to be one of the key factors because she didn't debate when she should have.
In a moment, we go back to education. American universities are slipping internationally in the scale of top 100. Chinese universities are on the increase. We still have the lead, but it is not going in the right direction. So we'll talk about that coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, I want to invite you one more time to uh, subscribe to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast. It's very simple to do no matter what device you have, and you'll never miss a minute of the show again. And this week, the Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home and guaranteed offers by going to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Spoke earlier about research universities and how they're rated across the country in the top 100, and um, American universities are slipping. They don't have as many in the top 100 as we have before, and they've gone down in the last few years. Chinese universities are on the increase. Um, the interesting thing also has to do with student loan forgiveness. Uh, the president of the United States releasing uh, an application, a simplified application for student loan forgiveness. And uh, what, what is interesting about this, despite legal challenges, White House uh, unveil simple student loan forgiveness application form. Um, just to read a little bit of this, the Biden administration unveiled a short and simple student loan forgiveness application form on Tuesday, despite legal challenges to the program that the White House said the applications for up to $20,000 of forgiveness will be handled by the Department of Education, and they won't require supporting documents or federal student aid identification. The... Um, this is part of my issue with government in general, but I, we've talked about student loan forgiveness. I think it's a slap in the face to people. I, I think that especially when you're talking about the amount of money people are able to make to get the student loan forgiveness, these are not people that can't pay. Um, it's a subsidy in, in, in a way. Um, You've heard the discrepancy. I've talked about this, that, that the White House has gone after um, big oil. And uh, food growers and said, you know, and, and also retailers in the in the fuel industry and said to them, you have to lower your prices, that what you're doing is wrong. As a matter of fact, one candidate, Fetterman, the Senate candidate out of Pennsylvania, uh, floated an idea that if elected to the United States Senate, one of the things that he would push for is for CEOs of big oil companies and food growers to be brought in and jailed for price gouging. So they keep going after private industry and saying you are charging people way too much for your product at a time when the American people don't have a lot of money and the patriotic American thing to do is to lower your prices. And then instead of going after universities and our college system and saying tuition is way too high, you should be offering college at less expense so that middle class families can afford college. You should be lowering your prices. The American people need an education and an educated society is a great society. Therefore, you should lower your prices and make the education. How much money do you have in your schools? And look at your bank accounts and these obscene profits and they're not. What they're doing is they're taking your tax dollars and my tax dollars and they're paying off student loans. They are shifting the burden to the taxpayers, not the people that took out the loans. I don't think that's the right thing to do. I, and I, I've compared it with uh, Small Business Administration with the SBA loans that have been given out and how they're not lowering or, or taking away debt for people that have taken out business loans. Um, <clears throat> and what you are doing is you are saying that if you go to college or school, you deserve a break. If you go to work, you're going to pay. 
Um, it is not the right thing to do. It certainly isn't for families making up the two hundred and fifty grand a year. If you if you can't pay your student loans off when your family, as a couple, you're making as a household, you're making two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, you're not being very wise with any of your money. That's just a fact. And yet they're making it easier, less accountability. Is there going to be fraud? But it, it's just a bad program. The legal challenges are going to hopefully be effective. The American taxpayer should not have to pay this. If you took out a loan and the job that you have doesn't pay for your student loan, then you got the wrong degree. I had a great conversation with Dr. Crow from ASU. I, I referenced this conversation last time I talked about this, where he talked about the return on investment for ASU graduates and how the vast majority of them are employed and how much more money they're making on average every single year. And that is a big return on investment over the life of their their working life. Um, and so he made a lot of really good points about Arizona State University specifically. But you know as well as I do, even if you don't graduate, how many people go to school, take out student loans, and then they don't graduate? Those loans are going to be forgiven. It makes absolutely no sense. You didn't take care, you didn't take the benefit of the loans. You squandered or whatever happened. You had let's say you were forced to leave college. That's how what every story you're going to hear is. I I had to go because of a sick family member or whatever, and they're going to forgive those loans. Then the American taxpayer is going to pay them. It's coming out of our taxes. So you know I, I just. I think it's a bad idea. Matter of fact, I know it's a bad idea. And when we are seeing the quality of education diminish in some regards because the research universities used to be in the top. A lot of U.S. universities were in the top in the world, in the top 100, and they're not anymore. Um, there's still over 30 of them that are. But what is the value then in the education? And when you can the, – the two parts of this conversation is why, why is somebody else paying for it when you took out the loans? If you can't afford to go to school, don't go to school. That's harsh. Go to work. Join the military. Get the GI Bill. Save your money. Pay for your own college. Or take out loans. And make sure you're working in an industry where you are going to have, make enough money to pay those loans off. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with hard work. There's nothing wrong with doing what you love to do. Um, you know, it, it's when I when I took a job in this industry, when I started doing this on weekends, and I was doing this on weekends, I never imagined it would turn into a career. And uh, I ran a business. Could you imagine if I had gone home and said to my family, hey, listen, I really like this radio thing, so I'm going to close my business down that makes us money, and I'm going to now work for a very small amount of money doing a weekend radio show because it's my passion. No. How many people out there think that they are going to be the should be and could be the next big entertainer? They sing, they've got a great voice, they can play an instrument. And what they do on the weekends is they play at coffee houses or bars and they play these other places while they work their butts off all week to do what they love on the weekends until what they love to do pays the bills. It's irresponsible to say, I'm a born poet and a singer, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit on the corner, I'm going to put a hat out, and I'm going to live off a couple of bucks that people drop in my hat while I play music because I'm following my dream. I'm all about following your dreams. I am all about people following what they're passionate about. But you have a responsibility to pay the bills. I moved to Arizona 
because I loved rodeo and I wanted to be a rodeo cowboy. Now, I was terrible. I was a terrible rodeo cowboy. I learned a lot about the industry, worked the back pens very well, could announce rodeos, learned to be a judge for bull ridings, all that stuff. I was a terrible cowboy. I couldn't ride bulls to save my life. Matter of fact, I almost lost it a couple of times. That's how bad I was. But I was following a dream. But I had a trade. I'm an electrician by trade. I worked my butt off all week long to make enough money so that I could do what I love doing on the weekends. And we got to have more of that. The idea that someone else is going to pay the freight is just wrong. It's just wrong all the way around. Um, In a moment, uh, we got to talk about police reform. Is the push for police reform over? We'll talk about that in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I talk often about law enforcement, and uh, there's a story that's talking about unions playing multiple roles in police reform efforts, and they're lamenting here that a lot of cities haven't made major changes. I will tell you that I think any organization, if they are a good organization, looks at how they can improve Constantly, um, technology has changed. You know, from when I was young, there were there were really two forms of uh, force that were used by the police, or I would say defense tactics that they had. Uh, what was known as a billy club or a tonfa or something like that was used, um, and then there was lethal force. There wasn't much in between. Then there was the advent of, of tear gas or pepper spray, uh, capstan, whatever you want to call it. That came around, and now there are a multitude of of less lethal force that is used used and employed by police departments, and they are morphing and changing all the time to try to be better at saving lives and protecting themselves. Um, So that change has always been there, but there was a big push a few years ago, and there has always been an anti-police sentiment that existed, but it had never really reached a place where it had gotten into leadership of cities, towns, states, and our country. And we saw so much of this happen. It was fascinating to me to see how quickly um, the country turned and listened to such a small group of people. Um, Acknowledging when you have video, and I think the advent of video is going to make policing better as well because it's going to hold officers to do the wrong thing accountable, but it's also going to hold the public accountable when they behave badly. What happened to George Floyd was sickening. It was a sickening thing to see. It would have been sickening if it was a civilian that did it, but the ha- but happening at the hands of law enforcement made it worse because I'm such an advocate for law enforcement. Um, but the idea that was then presented and spread like wildfire in cities across this country was that as a profession, policing is evil. And it needs major transformations. We need to defund the police department, start over, and find a new way to protect our cities and towns. It even permeated the cities and the valley as well to a certain degree. Um, Not nearly as much as we saw in other cities. Some of the changes are good changes. You talk about the not using a chokehold um, or some of the other ways of detaining a suspect that turn disastrous sometimes. But at the same time, we have to recognize, and I think most people recognize, that policing is a dangerous job, that you are stepping in. You are stepping into a situation where most people are running from that situation. There was a um, a video that was just released. I watched yesterday that the Phoenix Police Department had to engage a suspect that was swinging a sword at them. 
And I look at that and I think the average person does not want to engage and try to stop this person. They end up having to shoot this suspect. And I don't know if it was mental illness or drugs or both, but this guy was hell-bent. I've talked about the story of a, of a lone officer at 43rd Avenue in Union Hills and uh, being confronted with a guy that was out of his mind with a knife that was threatening her as she spent a minute backing away and keeping him at bay and making sure that innocent people were not in danger and eventually she had to shoot that suspect as well before backup was to get there. Um, it is a dangerous job. And the narrative that they are inherently evil by profession until proven otherwise is not only wrong, but it has done serious damage to police departments in cities across the country. Go look at the crime rates in Seattle and Portland and Minneapolis and New York and Chicago and other places where mayors and leaders of the city – have come out and said that we are defunding the police, we're taking away their power, and then you see the good cops have said, I'm out, I'm leaving. Many of them didn't leave the profession, but they left those agencies. And I'm telling you the, the, how detrimental that is to a city. We all know it. So now has the tables have the tables turned? Are the citizenry gotten through to city management? across this country and saying we want people that support the police. That doesn't mean you hide the crimes that are committed when a cop does the wrong thing. If there is a police officer or a deputy or a trooper that does the wrong thing, as a matter of fact, going back to DPS, going back, I think it was a couple of years or so, there was a trooper that was found, and it's so rare, but there was a trooper that was found that was uh, asking for um, sexual favors to get out, for women to get out of tickets. And not only did DPS leadership come out and say that we this guy is no longer going to be a cop or arresting this guy, but if there's anybody else out there that this happened to, please come forward because we want to make sure your voice is heard and that you get justice as well. That's the way you handle a crisis when somebody in your ranks does the wrong thing. I I maintain and I know that it's true that nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop because it, it tarnishes the entire industry. And I think that we're starting to see the tables turn. I don't think that there are more people now that support the police and less before. I think that the narrative has changed because when the cities felt like they were backed into a corner because of the video of what happened with George Floyd and other things that have happened where cops have done the wrong thing, cities felt as if they had to react by defunding the police and doing these other things. And it turns out. They didn't. And when they did it, they paid a heavy price. If you listen now to members of Congress, the Democrats in Congress, that at one time, the vice president of the United States, when she was the United States senator, was raising money for bail for people that were behaving badly at Black Lives Matters um, rallies. Now, these were the ones that were committing acts of violence, not all of the protesters, but the ones that were infiltrating those protesters, infiltrating those protests, and then acting badly, burning things, looting things, stealing. She raised money to bail those people out. Now that's the very same groups of people that are saying, oh, I've always been in favor of the police. We don't want to defund the police. We love the police. They've changed their tune because it's bad for them politically. I think we're past this, or at least it's waning. There is still a voice out there, but it doesn't have the same power, nor does it have the same pull that it did over the last couple of years. And that's a good thing for cities. We need to be back to treating the good guys like good guys. When they do the wrong thing, they need to be punished. They need to be held accountable. But as a profession, it's an honorable profession. 
It is an honorable job, and it should be treated as such. What we're going to do just after 11 is uh, we got to go back to talking about the economy. The president says there might be a recession, but what are the experts saying? How bad is it, and how bad is it going to get? We'll talk about it next.